Two short seasons of podcasting experience, and I'm having such a great time growing Blended on the Bluff. In season three, I go deeper into specific tools that will help you blend beautifully together. Once upon a time, there was a lovely young lady named Anne. She joined me on the podcast, sharing her great story of the power of family, books, purpose, respect, commitment, and love. We shared experiences that flow from sharing and living out our stories with others. And stories, they're a fabulous way to create and build connections with those that you spend time with. Now, particularly in blended families, we do need more avenues for connection. And books are a powerful way to create common ground through the experience of reading together. It's also a pretty smart way to gain intel into the way that your step family members see themselves in the stories. When's the last time that you read to your kiddos? Are you up for a challenge? After listening to this podcast, find one book together with your kids that you can begin reading and see what happens. Are you up for extra bonus points for this challenge? Post your experience on the Step Family Podcast Facebook page. I can't wait to read about your blended story experience. All right. Hey there, everybody. Jen Rogers, host of Blended on the Bluff. And I am delighted to welcome Ann Eliza to the program today. She uh, tickles my funny bone with stories and maybe today even with a song. And what I cherish about Ann in the short time that I've come to know her is her love for the kiddos, not just the books and the songs that she sings to them. Ann, welcome to the program. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited. (laughs) Me too. Hey, before we started, uh, I I often let my audience know that we have a pre-podcast interview where we get together and we have a conversation uh, in order to get ready for the broadcast. And then uh, we go over a few things right before we start. And we pray too. And I just want to thank you here on the air for praying because you said something really, really wonderful. Um, you prayed for God honoring blended families. And that just made my heart happy <laughs> because um, we all strive to be God honoring, but a lot of times we lose our cool in the blended families. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, today I know we're going to talk about five literacy tips for kids, and I know you also have great ideas for kids of all different ages. So go ahead and share a little bit about what your passions are. All right. Well, thank you again for having me. I'm excited to be here. Um, I have a lot of passions. Um, I'm just a very um, dramatic, passionate person, um, but uh, I. I really, really love my job as a youth services specialist in a public library in central Ohio. Um, I've been in public libraries for, it'll be eight years in July, and I was, I would work in all of the departments, but my favorite, my favorite was the children's department. 
So um, I've been at my current library for five years and I just love the children. I love children's literature. I love um, the children themselves, the ones who come in and are just, I, with my story times I have, I could have anywhere between 20 kids and 75 kids. And when COVID happened and we had to not do story times anymore, um, it hurt my heart because part of it uh, was I had a huge fan club and then all of a sudden I had no fan club and it was devastating. So on a selfish note, it was like, oh no, I don't have my fans. Um, But just uh, helping children um, develop. Uh, I've had lots of training in childhood development, um, and we have lots of training on the five literacy tips, early literacy tips, um, to help that that growth of your children. Um, and they are singing, reading, writing, playing, and talking. And that can kind of sound overwhelming at first. And to be honest, I was overwhelmed at first when I had my training because I thought, what are we, what does that look like? Um, And a lot of times I have found that families come into the library and we have that stuff posted everywhere, but they don't know what that means. And they just, they don't know, you know, how to implement that. Here comes story time. A lot of a lot of times parents and caregivers think that this is a half hour where I can set my kid in front of someone uh, or my child in front of someone and get on my phone and like check out. And I want to encourage you that that um, the audience that uh, when they when we have story times up again, uh, go to your local library and learn the songs that that the the storyteller the library worker is singing to the kids watch how they read to the kids and interact with the kids because the purpose of story time is so that you can go home and do that with your with your children with your family um the reason why i have such a huge fan club is because i work on those relationships with the children and that's something that I really want to um, pinpoint and really want to encourage um, the parents listening. Your job um, is to have a relationship with your children, all of your children. Um, and when you work on these these five literacy tips or however you want to call them. I mean, you don't have to think like, oh, okay, so I've checked off two of them today and I need to do the other three. It's, it's not like that. It's, it is, it's a framework with which you can build the relationship with your children. Like you don't know what to do. You feel frustrated, lost. So you put them, I've seen this with parents. I'm not saying your parents do this, but, but they put them in front of a screen because they just don't know what to do. And that's all they've seen done with other children. And if you have this framework and you have it in your mind, my relationship matters with my children makes all the difference in the world. All the difference. So if I go back to a conversation that we had. So you are a PK. So for those who aren't necessarily in the Christian community or haven't been too long, PK means pastor's kid. 
And you were not the only kid. You were one of... I was one of six. Six. Okay. One of six. So talk about how parents who have six kids clawing at them can manage these five literacy points in this framework that you're talking about. That's a lot to manage. (laughs) Yes. Yes. It was, it was a lot to manage and we're all pretty close in age. There's about a year and a half between each of us. Um, so my mom was pregnant for like a decade and then some, I was like, mom, how did you do that? She's like, the Lord sustained me. (laughs) So, um, she would, she would sing to us all the time. She would sing to us all the time. We would be outside gardening and she would sing to us. Um, we would have conversations. I mean, I remember specifically um, when we would have a long car ride or, you know, we were just going to church. I, I would, I would sit behind my parents' seat and I would say, okay, question one. And my, all my siblings would groan. They're like, oh my word, here she goes again. And my parents were so patient in answering my questions because they were just a very curious child. Now I'm in the middle, like I have three older brothers and then two younger sisters and I'm off. I'm my, my moniker is the forgotten one because I was, I mean, I was the quiet, I am the quietest in my family. And so it's, it was easy to overlook me because everybody else is clamoring and it was a fantasy of mine that I was an only child. (laughs) But at the same time, my mom did make time for me. She would, she would set all of like, if the boys were off playing or doing something, she would make time out of her crazy busy day between changing diapers and making meals. She would take time to just sit and read. And she told me recently that was one that was one of the most important things that she could do with with us is sit down and read to us. Um, we always had music in our home, either playing on the cassette tape. I'm kind of oh, my age here, uh, either on the cassette tape um, or she would be playing the piano and we would gather around and sing. She would make my brothers gather around and sing. I swear she wanted us to be the next Von Trapp family singers, but it didn't happen. Um, but she, like to her, it was the most important thing were the relationships that she had with all of her children. And she just was adamant that she would sing to us. She'd make everything into a song. If we, we, to remember our address, to remember our phone number, to remember the phone numbers of our friends' moms who could come and pick us up at school or whatever. She made everything into a song. Um, and a lot of that was to, to give us biblical truth, not just here's the phone number, but also do everything without complaining was a favorite one that she would sing to us, which I could still sing the whole thing right now. Um, but she did, she did a lot with that. Um, my, 
my dad was was um, away quite a bit. He, I mean, we grew up in a small town, but he went and spoke other places and did counseling and all this stuff. But he too made sure that he was at home by 5.30. We would sit around the dinner table, all of us. He would ask each of us how our day was. So this is talking to us. And we were never allowed to say nothing or not much. We had to be very specific. And this helped build a relationship with our dad. Um, Every January, he would read Winnie the Pooh to me and my sisters. Um, He would go into my brother's room and just really talk to them, get this conversation, uh, a lot of conversations going. And then as we got older, that that relationship changed, um, sort of, when my brothers got into high school, there were a lot of families who had broken up and my brothers would bring those kids home to our house. And my sweet father would stay up until two o'clock in the morning answering the questions of life. Um, He was so good at being very logical and explaining things biblically. um, But that took a toll. I mean, he, he, was tired the next day, you know, trying to shepherd his luck. He's just a people person. So I say all of this to not, not to say it was my parents, obviously it was the Lord, but my parents played a big part in the fact that all of my siblings, all six of us walk with the Lord. I mean, it is God's grace to us for sure. But my parents worked really hard at having a relationship with all of us. We respected them. We loved them. We gained so much wisdom from them. And the relationship changes over time, obviously. But I cannot stress enough that they spent so much time on the relationship with us that we all are walking with the Lord and it's just, it's just very, very beautiful. And I want to encourage your families that, that they, that is possible for them. Lord willing, obviously my parents are not, are not God, but, but that's possible for your family. It absolutely is. And I think so it's, it's really several things have come to mind based on what you shared. So Thank you for sharing. Uh, I can't imagine you being a forgotten child uh, with your uh, presence and, and personality. <laughs> you think I'm cra- like big and pre- imagine the rest of my family. <laughs> well, uh, God willing, I will meet them one day. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> or maybe just have you all on the podcast. That would be a lot of fun. <laughs> Although I don't, need, I think I would just need to show up and ask one question and then we'd be good for an hour, right? Oh, you guys would sure. <laughs> Sure. <laughs> so let me say that it does. Yes, it does take time uh, investing in a relationship. It takes great work. And, and when you're in blended families, especially at the beginning, you go, you have a lot of transition. So perhaps before you get together, things are okay. The kids are excited that you're going to get married and they're, they're very supportive of their, their parents enjoying life. Mm-hmm. and getting remarried, if you will. 
But then when the moving in comes, that's when uh, things really start to shake up or shake down or shake out in Mm -hmm. one of those three, all three of those things. And so because there's some role confusion on the step parent, Mm -hmm. what what is my role? What's my name? (laughs) Uh, How are the kids going to refer to me, whether they're my kids uh, or my stepkids, and what's the relationship with the ex spouse and ex spouse family members? Uh, because when there's particularly when there's divorce, but also when there's a loss, when one of the spouses passes away, you know it's often said that when you change, everyone else around you has to change too, mm. and they want you to stay the way that you were in the sense, because then they knew what to expect from you. Mm. But now that you're in this new situation, you act a little differently. And I mean, think about that. If you lose a spouse, you definitely are going to act Mm. differently. Um, If you get divorced and remarried, you're definitely going to act differently because you're in relationship with someone with whom you connect a different way. Um, just like you and me, our connection is different than it's going to be with another person who would hop on the phone with us, right? It just Mm -hmm. would be a little bit different. Um, And so this blending and coming together, taking the time, often we don't know what to do because we're dealing with all of this, like, where's the kids sleeping? Are we buying a new house? Are we moving into a new one? Do we need a new car? Can we all fit? Uh, Who's cooking the meals? Who's doing the laundry? How much laundry is there? Do you have enough clothes here? Uh, All of those things. And so as you were sharing, I was thinking that oftentimes we don't know what to say because we're busy processing all of these transitions. And we definitely do not think of the transition as transformation nor sanctification. We're like, those things are way far because things are tough. But what I heard you say is you can use the power of books and the power of song to create connection without having to think too hard mm-hmm. or prepare a bunch of stuff. What? How, how would you respond to that? Is that accurate? Absolutely, it's accurate. Um, I I know that before before I got into libraries. Um, well, in 2010, I had the opportunity to go to Spain and be a nanny, and I kind of went on a whim. I, I I was thinking, like, I don't know. I was in college. I'm like, I don't know if I even like children. Like, children – I'm not sure if I like children. I'm not sure if I'm good with children. I, I This might be a really bad idea, but I'm so glad I went because that is when I learned that I do in, indeed love children. Um, but as, you know, a 20-something-year-old, I wasn't sure what to do, but I didn't know how to read. I, I didn't know how to read to them. I, I didn't know how to to sing songs that my mom had sung to me. Um, I didn't know how to talk to children. You know, it's that it depends on the age, of course. You know, you don't want to you don't want to insult the intelligence of the child, which I see a lot of people doing uh, like not intentionally, but they put on like this certain kind of fake voice and and kids know right away like you're not you're not taking me seriously, you know, (laughs) 
like whatever whoever this is um so definitely when you when you're first starting out as a blended family um talking will come i think that that um it's it it's difficult to to know what to say and how to say it but you can sit down and you can read a book um yeah, and I, let me jump in for a quick moment yeah. and say that that automatically gives you something in common. Mm-hmm. So if you have nothing in common with your kid because it's so new, automatically right there, you can create some commonality by sharing a story. Mm-hmm. I love that. Oh, so mm-hmm. good. Yeah. And depending on the age, um, something that I love to do with my nieces and nephews, and I have... 14 of them um, is sitting down and reading a book and that in itself generates conversation because you can point out, isn't that like, isn't that a funny picture? What, what color is that? Well, what's your favorite color? You know, like you just start the conversation starts naturally. Then you find out what their favorite color is. Um, you know, you can be like, well, if that's your favorite color, well, that looks like pizza. Pizza is my favorite food. What's your favorite food? Um, you know, and and I know that if the family is already, you know, if the parents are already married, you know, you're already starting that blended journey. You may already know those those types of things about the child. But but, the, the you know, the point is like you 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 can point out things within the story that will generate conversation so that you get to know your child better. Mm -hmm. And that definitely applies whether you're in a blended family or not, or whether you're babysitting, right. Oh yeah. (laughs) Or whether you've been called to a family or to a friend's house to take care of the kids because there's some emergency or something, a book singing. So I know that throughout this podcast, you're going to talk about books because it's clear you love books. Mm-hmm. And I, I love that too. I, I'm a big bookworm. Uh, but you talked about songs. So let's see, it was singing, reading, writing, playing, and talking were the five literacy tips, right? Mm-hmm. So singing. So the, there's a reason why I do a podcast because I can't like now, wow. but I can talk. I can talk a lot. <laughs> so the singing is left up to all of the singers in my family and in my blended family, actually, which is really quite interesting. Uh, I married into a musical family, which mm. I absolutely just enjoy. I mean, it is, um, sometimes it sounds like the angels are singing. I mean, mm. it is, they're, they're not just good. They're really quite gifted. And, uh, so it's a great thing for me. And yet I, I just sing low quiet cause it's not my gift and I'm, I'm okay with that, <laughs> but I do have four grand kiddos and I know they don't really care whether I'm tone deaf Thank or you. not. So, yeah. So share a little bit, maybe reassurance that, uh, we are not auditioning for an opera or a musical production on Broadway, right? (laughs) Right. Yes, exactly. Um, Here's the thing about children. If you spend time with them, they will love you. I mean, it really, 
really honestly like spend quality time like put your phone away and and give them your attention they will love you and it doesn't matter whether you can sing on key or not to them they know and they understand that you are taking time out of your day to be with them um i mean it may that might might be like a more subconscious thing you know like depending on the age it's they're not gonna like wow dad then you know wow mom thanks for taking time out of your day you know but but they children children are so much uh knowledgeable and smarter than a lot of people give them credit for um i see it all the time all the time where they intuitively know things they know that if you sit down to sing Twinkle Twinkle Little Star with them or Baba Black Sheep, you know, all of the nursery rhymes that you that you already know, you just have to like like pull them out of your brain. You know, you gotta you gotta search for them for a little bit. But if you do that, they you can you can it here's a here's a good um a good trick, I suppose, uh, is if you if you're tone deaf, if you don't feel like you are a good singer, be funny with it. Like do a different kind of voice. Go up and up and make your voice go up and down. It doesn't have to be super melodic. It can be just fun. And if your kids are laughing, if they are understanding the song, that is not going to be an issue whatsoever. Yeah, it reminds me. So we did Christmas in January this past year with the way our schedules worked out. So our grandkids are in Kentucky right now. And so it's about a six hour way for us to connect. And so we did Christmas a little bit after Christmas and they were in the book, The 12 Days of Christmas. Oh my lands. I'll tell you what, it won't take you long to pick up on that. However, my, even though my husband can sing, he can also do a lot of uh, different voices and he's just funny with the kids and, you know, the Mm -hmm. popping, squeezing the nose, popping the tongue, all of this stuff Mm -hmm. that he does with them. And they just giggle. So they're five and under. And uh, we have a golden retriever in a chocolate lab. And so when we got to the five golden rings, we were singing five golden retrievers and just cracking up. And some of the kids would say, no, 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 that's not right. But it was, uh, it, it, what a sweet memory. Ah, thanks for that. <laughs> That's so good. <laughs> yes. Yes. So, uh, you know, the thing that I want parents to know and understand is it doesn't have to be hard. It doesn't have to be perfect. It can be as simple as you want it to be. And cause I mean, I just remember when I started in libraries, just being completely overwhelmed. I mean, I think I mentioned that before. I have like, what does that look like in real life? You know, you know, um, writing can be sitting down and helping the kids, you know, draw a circle (laughs) or coloring within the lines. I mean, that's, that's writing for a child, right? And the purpose is to develop the fine motor skills. Um, and there's a purpose bet- behind all of the literacy tips, um, but again, it does not. It does not have to be hard. And it and it and it's. I want to take away that feeling of frustration, 
and being lost and being overwhelmed um, because it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be. Mm -hmm. It's so good. So you use this word framework and it makes me think of when I'm working with blended couples, it's the same that you have a framework that normalizes that kids are all over the place, for example, for you and, and they have a lot of energy. So that would be one of the things that you would normalize. And instead of fighting the energy, you embrace the energy. Mm-hmm. So for blended couples, it's instead of fighting the obstacles, we're just going to embrace them and recognize them and normalize them to say, okay, <laughs> we perhaps had some unrealistic expectations that our starry eyed love affair was going to stay starry eyed and it was going to pepper down to all the kids and it was going to be great. (laughs) And it's not quite like that because we didn't recognize that we have different values, that we have different visions, that we may not have a clearly defined purpose as a new step family, and that we're clinging to traditions or norms of the past that existed that brought us to this point. And so uh, I don't, uh, five literacy tips makes me think of five blended tips. You know, we always do these three keys to whatever, but there, it's really important to have this framework to say that, okay, let's recognize that this is going to be challenging. So let's recognize for, for COVIDs and lockdowns, story time is obviously challenging because it's a story time that wasn't for a long, long time now. Mm-hmm. Um, And so once we can say, okay, these are the constraints, how do we navigate the constraints? Because we can let them stop us in our tracks, or we can use them in new ways. For example, the explosion of Zoom is a great example of that. People did not get on Zoom the way we all get on Zoom now, and now we don't think anything of it. Mm -hmm. Uh, In fact, we'll take it because it's what we have right now. So I love this idea that you use that word purposeful. And I know you and I've been talking and I've I've been wanting you to share a little bit about this great purposeful vision that you have in your head. You're about to kick off a membership soon that has a fantastic name and uh, an even more fantastic purpose. So would you talk just a little bit about that? I know at the end of the podcast, we'll come back and you'll give all the details, but I want parents to hear a little bit about your ideas that you have. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, I I, I mean, I kind of stumbled into the idea of membership because for the past year, um, you know, we've, we've put up our story. T- I would do a story time like once a month and it would live on the, 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 um, the library's YouTube channel for about a week. Um, but because of copyright laws, we would have to take them down over after a week. Um, and so, it's nothing like the three story times a week that I was doing previously. And I kept thinking about what's happening to these new parents who, who all of a the sudden they're with their kids and they don't know what to do with their, like they feel lost because they don't know what to do with their kids. Um, and also uh, these parents who have littles and then elementary and all of a the sudden they're homeschooling 
what, you know, what do they do? Um, and I've also, you know, so I was concerned like, okay, I don't want these parents to keep feeling lost. I don't want these parents to keep feeling like the only option is to put their child in front of a screen um, and, and not know how to build that relationship with their child. Um, and so I, I thought, well, what if I, what if I start recording the songs that I sing all the time and the ones that my mom wrote when I was a kid that I can send to them? Um, and what about doing like an activity sheet a week or, I mean, I just, I, I have to like pare it down because I have so many ideas, just a million ideas. Um, but I really want to focus on, on the parents and their littles and building that relationship. Um, and if you have older, uh, older children, well, I'll be probably making another membership geared towards that age group too. Um, they present a, a different issue uh, for Christian families and conservative families. I have found a lot of them don't go to the library or they don't want to go to the library because it doesn't line up with their values. And so I understand that. I'm in it. There are a lot of things that go on in the library that don't line up with my with my values. And it's sometimes hard to be there, but then oh, there, the library can be an awesome place. And I, I really want to be able to fill that gap for those families who don't have the money to spend on buying a bunch of books, want to go get books, but, but don't know which ones to get and are afraid that their child's going to pick up a book that doesn't align with their values. Um, I really want to be that resource for them to help their child develop reading skills, excuse me, and people skills and, and knowing how to go into a place, knowing that it might not align with your values, but you can still enjoy that place. Um, because the library really does have awesome, awesome resources and awesome. A lot of times has awesome people working there. Um, so that's that's kind of the two memberships that I'm thinking of. The the first one will be for the littles, and that's and that's that'll launch uh, sooner than than the other one. But I want to encourage the families to, um, you know, to to if you have an older child or a younger child, like I I'll, I'm going to try to do something for everyone. Um, it's just going to look a little bit different for everyone. Yeah, that's really exciting. And again, we had talked about this in our pre-podcast conversation and more ideas are coming up. So here's what I thought of. (laughs) Do you know, what is it? The Oscar Mayer Wiener truck? Yeah. Yeah. So there's the Ann Eliza book truck. I mean, I can just see this that when kids actually have the opportunity to meet you, that you can drive this around. (laughs) Yes. I love that idea interview the kids and create that connection uh, because interviews with kids are so amusing. I mean, they're just, they're just, uh, their imaginations are so powerful. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I love well, that you idea. Me, you let me know when you get the hot dog truck. I want to travel with you a little bit. <laughs> Done. I'll drive. <laughs> Done. 
<laughs> oh gosh, that's great. Cause see, I can, I, I talk, remember? So while you're singing, as I'm driving, I can go over, I can push the, what is that? I don't know, the speaker button, right? Cause uh-huh. the big speaker on the top to say that you're coming kind of yeah. like the ice cream. Truck. Oh, this yeah. is good. I feel like I feel like this is an amazing idea. <laughs> this is going to be so good. So tell me, what is what is your favorite book? Oh my goodness! Well, that would depend on the age group because I have a favorite book in each age group. Um, I think that my my all time favorite book is To Kill a Mockingbird. Um, my mom made me read that when I was like in eighth grade or something like that. And I I loved it. I didn't understand half of what happened, but I loved it because you can, you know, it's told from the point of a six-year-old. And so Scout is just completely relatable. Um, but I, and I think that for my um, like elementary and middle school is Ella Enchanted by Gail Levine. Um and then, oh boy, my favorite picture book. Well, okay, so I will say that the first picture book that I read, quotation, read, would be In a People House by Theodore Geisel, who we all know is actually Dr. Seuss, but he he wrote under, um, he he has a pseudonym and then his real name. And because that was one that my mom read to us all the time. And so I just, I learned how to, that those were, that was one of those books that I remember I could start to follow her reading and picking out the words. And I was probably four, three or four years old where I started to pick out the words. Um, And that's, that's the first book that I read. So I'm very attached to that one for sure. Um, but, but that gets me to, to talking about repetition, um, which was a point that I wanted to, to, um, to talk about today. And that is repetition is so important for children. It's very, very important. Um, something that I often do in my story times is I sing the same, pretty much the same set of songs for a whole quarter. I'll I'll throw in some new songs every once in a while to shake it up a bit. But I sing the same songs each quarter. I'll switch out when we when we go to a different quarter, but but repetition is so important and part of that is because as a children's brain develop, um the more repetition they have, um the more the neurons go on um the same synapses. So it's it helps your child's brain develop quicker and better if there is repetition. I want to encourage parents that this is a sacrifice you're going to have to make (laughs) because obviously repetition can get boring or it can get repetitive (laughs) and it can get annoying. Um, in that regard, you know, you can be a little strategic. You can have, I, I know that like my my sister will put out a set of books that the kids will want her to read to them while setting, putting a different set of books somewhere else and then kind of swapping those out without them really noticing. 
and they're okay with that. You know, they find new favorites in that set of books. Um, same with songs, you know, you, it doesn't have to be super structured. And obviously you can say, honey, you know what? We've sang that song five times. Let's sing a different song, you know, and they're okay with that. And that, and that is okay. Um, but repetition is really, really important for your child to, for brain development, um, just for, you know, them learning things rapid. I mean, I have to have things repeated to me constantly. <laughs> like, I mean, I don't, it's not one and done for me. I'm not that smart. Like I have to have repetition. Right. So think of it that way. You know, you, a lot of people there, I know very little people who can get it on the first go around. Um, so keep that in mind. So that that's going to require patience and forbearance on your side parents, but repetition is very important for sure. Mm -hmm. So I love that you touched on the brain because earlier when we were talking, I was thinking about that, that, oh, I hope we get to some brain talk because I love talking about the brain. I think the brain is, it's so fascinating to Mm -hmm. me, the things that happen. So let me put a blended lens on this part of it and say, when you talk about repetition, I hear the word safety. Mm. The kids know what to expect. They know what's coming because they've heard it over and over and over again. Mm. And they know that you can have a little fun with it. If you change your voice, like you suggested for Mm -hmm. those of us who don't sing the way that other people sing, (laughs) we (laughs) sing our own way (laughs) Uh, uh, or we change words. So I, I know that when I'm reading the story over and over for the kids, uh, and and they're avid readers and their mom and dad promote that. And I, it's, it's a joy. It really is a joy, mm-hmm. but it does get old, that same story. Let's pick something else. Uh, but when I change a word or I stop and wait for them to fill in the word, like you were describing that you were anticipating what was coming and that helped you identify words. So I've seen that in action recently. So it was a little while ago with my own kids, but it's fresh in my mind and in my experience with my grandkids. And it's so true. So this repetition, so I heard safety. And then I was thinking, this is one of the reasons why it's hard because you don't have any experience to draw from when you come together and blend. You're starting over and you are going against the expectations that the kids have. Mm. They don't know what the rules are when you're in the new home or with the new person. You know, there are a lot of different ways that you can blend, okay? A lot of different ways. Mm. And blending doesn't just mean step families, although obviously that's my focus here on blended on the bluff, but it does mean foster families, it's the same. Adoption, it's the same in the sense that you're not starting from ground zero. You're figuring out where you are. And so you don't have that repetition slash safety to draw from. But what I also heard you say is the good news is, is that you can invest the time because children were really created to love you Mm -hmm. and they will appreciate when you spend time with them doing the things that they enjoy doing, Uh, which may mean reading that book for the umpteenth time because that's what Mm -hmm. they enjoy. But that, that 
you become a part of that story and that memory. And I heard a lot of that in what you were sharing, the memory, the story that your mom is as much a part of that book as the pages within it are uh, as much as she is a part of who you are. And I just, I think that's really beautiful. So repetition means safety too, I think, and some predictability. And we like that, especially now in uh, times when a lot of things still feel out of our control. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I'm glad that you said uh, foster kids because my three oldest nephews are adopted. They were adopted through foster care. Um, and, and it's kind of a long story. Our, like you said, I'm a pastor's kid. Um, my dad and our church was helping this family through some hard times, paying bills and things like that. And they had two little boys. Um, ages five and six. And I was going to college, but living at home. And so I started babysitting these boys and I started spending time with them and playing with them and talking to them. And I just gained a love for these, for these two boys. Um, And then one day, you know, it became obvious that our church couldn't help their family anymore because they were, uh, you know, abusing the the funds that we were giving them and our time and all those things. And I will tell you, Jen, it broke my heart. I'm going to start crying. Sorry. Um, It broke my heart. I thought, oh, what's going to happen to these boys? They're just, they're in a really horrible place. They're in a horrible place with parents who don't actually love them. And so within within the five literacy framework, the most important thing you can do is pray for your children because every single night I prayed for those boys that they would find a godly home, that God would give them a heart for Jesus. And exactly a year later, their parents showed up at my parents' house and said, we lost the boys to children's services. We know that you will love them. Will you please go get them? By that time, there were three little boys. And so that's what my parents did. They went and got these boys and went through the foster care system. And um, my mom was a trooper. I mean, she, she and my dad were in their 50s. My youngest sister was 16 at the time. And they took these boys in, and it was a family affair, but my mom was very, speaking of safety, very, very regimented. They got up at the same time every morning. They, um, My parents live in the country. They didn't leave the home for probably two months. Like, I would do the grocery shopping and bring it, bring it home. She had them, she had them up at the same time every morning. Um, they ate lunch every day at the same time. Um, she went to, they went to bed at this, they took the naps at the same time. They went to bed at the same time. And um, I mentioned this because my second oldest nephew, Austin, um, who turns 19 tomorrow. Oh my goodness, he turns 19 tomorrow. Um, he was recently sitting down and talking to me and he says, you know, Aunt Annie, I was thinking the other day about when you read Charlotte's Web to us when we were little, when we first came here. 
I would read a chapter of Charlotte's Web every night before they would go to sleep. And um, we would talk about what it meant to be to be a good boy and to be a gentleman because, you know, their eating habits were not the best. And so I was like, okay, well, let's start this early. What does it mean to eat like a gentleman? Um, but yeah, so, so anyway, um, but that, that made me that I want, I would, I want to encourage your, your families too, that, um, you know, they were, they were on Ritalin when my parents got them, they were on IEPs, um, they were kind of frantic, they, not kind of, they were very frantic, you know, they just had no, they didn't, they didn't understand what safety meant. I mean, they just had seen things that are, I cannot even, cannot even comprehend and the scars on their sweet little bodies. I mean, it was, it was just, it was, it was just really, it was just really awful. But doing the same thing, that repetition, doing the same thing every single day. And, and, and they are, uh, my mom had them off of their medic. I'm not, I'm not a doctor. I'm not saying you need to take your kids off of medicine that's been prescribed, but, but she just knew what they needed was that safety. And so she was able to get them off of their off of their um their medication get them off of their ieps um she got them and they're such smart boys so so smart um and it, eventually my brother and his wife adopted them because they didn't um they didn't have any children of their own at the time and my parents just thought that it would be easier for for them to grow as a family if they had younger parents <laughs> so um that's how they became a part of my family. But, but the repetition, I kind of went on a tangent, but the repetition um, was what, what caught my, my memory and, and what caught my, um, the idea of, of a success story of, of how you, you, if you keep uh, the repetition going, um, it's easier for the children to feel safe. It's easier for their, for their, um, for them to know what to expect next. It's easier for their, their brains to develop. It's easier for all of those things. So um, I just encourage the families just to, to keep at it, even when it gets tiring. (laughs) Yeah, that's so good. And I am glad that that came out. Thank you for sharing that with us. Uh, As I think about that, the divorce rates, the re-divorce rates for second marriages are anywhere from 60 to 75%. Mm. So, you know, with their stats, right, and different reporting structures and all of that. So let's just go on the low end and say, say 60%. That's pretty high. Yeah. And do you, do you know when those happen? How mm-hmm. quickly those happen within the first couple of years? So if you make it past two years, you're doing pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> And you blend. So I say that for a couple of different reasons. One, to help families understand the urgency of being mm-hmm. intentional, being purposeful about the direction that you want your family to go and having a vision. I'm a big proponent of having a vision and creating that gives you some space to grow into it. And it also implies just like what you shared, that when those boys came that first night, they were not okay the next day. Mm-hmm. And they weren't okay the day after that. Mm-mm. And they weren't okay in the couple of months either. Mm-mm. And I dare say it probably took more than a couple of years 
before they really began to trust that you were really going to stick around, right? I think that um, for the oldest one, for Ryan, that was the case. Mm -hmm. Um, Tyler was young enough that he didn't remember. remember, I mean, we got him when he was about a year old. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was a little bit different. But Austin, right away, said, oh, it was probably four months, I would say probably four months after um, he came to my parents, we were sitting in a prayer meeting and he said, can you please pray for Travis and Stacy, who are his biological parents? Um, I want them to hear about Jesus. And we said, well, of course we will. Of course we will. He's like, well, that's why I'm here. God put me here because he wants me to hear about, he wanted me to hear about Jesus. So for him, it was easier. It did take a couple of months. Mm-hmm. For Ryan, it took much longer than that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just to, you know, that's just to say, like, it depends on the child for sure, right? For sure. But but um, having that 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 safety, knowing that they are safe. For our boys, it was knowing that they were going to eat the next day. They would eat with like the big, huge serving spoons. Mm-hmm because they thought that they would eat they could eat more if they had those those big old spoons mm-hmm. and it was a constant every day you'll be able to eat tomorrow we'll have food for you tomorrow you know again the repetition same thing every day yeah we you'll be here tomorrow we'll be here tomorrow and it's going to be okay yeah that's really good it's really powerful and it's a bit of a contrast from kids who are going every other week or whatever the custody schedule is, mm-hmm. then you change gears because now in this home, this is how things roll and then change gears again, that now I need to fit myself in here. And we often talk about on this program in a bunch of different ways, but it always comes back to this, that having a transition day or a reassurance day, I heard some reassurance there that mm-hmm. you will have food tomorrow Mm-hmm. The reassurance for blended families is maybe having, um, you know, talk around the table that, hey, today's transition day. It's usually pretty tough. We understand that. Is there anything that you want us to be aware of that's going on this week or that you're bringing from the previous week? Is there something that you want to share with us? Uh, and what do you need today? Like allowing mm-hmm. that space versus, okay, we're quote unquote, a family again this week in this way. (laughs) And so now we're going to do this stuff. And there isn't, there isn't that time to change gears because the repetition has been disrupted Mm -hmm. and a different life has been lived in the other home, even when the parents are on the same page. And uh, unfortunately, oftentimes that's not the case that there's Mm -hmm. effective co-parenting. There's a lot of anxiety involved and uh, distrust and lack of cooperation involved. Mm-hmm. And so the idea is that despite those things, we got to figure out a way to keep focusing on those kids. What do those kids need? And they need to know that they are loved. And it takes us right back to these uh, five literacy tips, right? Mm-hmm. That these are, those, those are things that every kid needs. Yes. Regardless. Right. So. Yes. Yes. And, and it, you know, I when I first heard about the five literacy tips, 
I was like, okay, yeah, whatever. Uh, let's just, it's just another, you know, thing that I have to like memorize or whatever. Um, but I have seen it over and over again, just help relationships. And that's really like what I want to do with my membership is really, really help parents have a relationship with their child. Um, I, I mentioned my sister uh, earlier with, you know, switching out the books. Um, and she, I was talking to her last night. I was like, Lydia, when you had, when you had Henry, did you just like know how to take care of him? And she said, I had to call mom all the time. I was like, oh, that's fair. <laughs> but I was just like, you, you sing to him, you know, you, you sing to him. She's like, well, that part came naturally because mom sang to us. Um, but she said, I have to be intentional about spending time with my children. Um, and that's coming from a stay-at-home mom. I mean, she doesn't work outside of the home. Um, she, you know, has goats and does things on the side, like, all the time. She's always hustling, that girl. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's surprising to hear that. It's like, well, you stay at home. Like, that should be, you know. That should be easy for you to do, but it's not. You know, she said, I had to learn that my relationship with my children was more important than washing the dishes or doing the laundry or making sure that the the floors were clean. Um, she just really loves to have a clean house. Um, she's like, my relationship with my children was was more important than that. And so she's very intentional, um, very intentional about spending that time with the children. Um, and I applaud her for that because it's, it does not come naturally for her. Um, we joke about how she's living my life and I'm living her life because I'm single and I, you know, don't have kids and, and I was always the one with a maternal instinct and here I am. And here, there she is, like she's 30 and four children, you know, it's just, it's hilarious. We, we always laugh about that, but um, yeah. So I just encourage, again, encourage parents, like you, you know, you want to have a relationship with your children. Um, and this is a way for you to have that relationship with your children. That's kind of how I like to think about it. Yeah, it's really good. And so I think about, so as entrepreneurs, you and I are both entrepreneurs and we know that that's really challenging in a lot of ways as you're building your business and, and uh, working on how you connect with people and share with them what you're passionate about. Uh, it's very clear what you're passionate about. It's come out and uh, you know, I'm just, I'm really rooting for you on this membership. And here's why. When I think about the time that my daughter who has these four kids, five and under, how much time she spends in just preparing the meal and clearing the table or moving the laundry around in between whatever the events are. There's a lot of busyness going on and there's a lot of activity in the house. And then there's, of course, there's a lot of sibling connection and disconnection <laughs> that she's a referee on. And it's interesting. I think she would say that 
she never really thought that she would call herself a, a kid person either. And yet here she is with, with these beautiful babes. And I'm so thankful for each and every one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think I can say that she has also demonstrated how God has been teaching her that message as well, that there's only so much of you to go around and you get to decide where you're going to put it. And mm-hmm. it's um, it's just beautiful to witness how she does love on the kids. Uh, that's uh, what I tell uh, women who are becoming grandmas for the first time, or whenever somebody asks me, what's my favorite part about having grandchildren? I say, I never knew that I could love my kid so much more after she had mm-hmm. her baby. And it's like with each one, it's like, wow, <laughs> this is so fantastic. Um, I, that's how I would describe it, that my love just grows as I see her sharing love. And I, that's how God works, right? That's God's economy. <laughs> so uh, you know, I started that by, by talking about being entrepreneurial and, and segued into that. But it's just having this focus and knowing where to direct our energies And what often happens is we get stuck on figuring out the how. And I bet you've spent a little how time in your membership idea. Why do I make this all happen? So I call that the how hole. And we actually don't need to be in the how hole. It's an opportunity for us in the context of reading to our kids, for example. So creating story time in our homes instead of us having to figure out the lesson or select the book, which can create decision fatigue. Mm -hmm. And as parents, we have a lot of decisions to make Mm -hmm. anyway. So what I hear you saying is that you're offering that through this membership to say, let me just key it up for you. And all you need to do is here you go. This is what it is for the week. Uh, I'll show you a video or you can play it so that I can sing to the kids, however it is that you're going to set it up. And so you're taking out, you're, you're providing uh, a respite of energy (laughs) by making all of those decisions in advance. And I just think that's really, really powerful, eliminating the how whole, and instead just creating one decision that says, would you like this service so that you can create this connection and build these relationships with your kids? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, as I was like, you know, as I've been trying to write it all out and, and, you know, trying to figure out like, what is it that I'm really, cause it, you know, I just have so many ideas. I'm like, what is it that I really am trying to do? And I was up until, I don't know, 11 or 12 o'clock at night, the other night, just thinking like relationships. I want this to be so easy to have a relationship with your child. I don't want it to be overwhelming. I don't. And I know that like um, another way of looking at it is, is parents who know they don't want their child to be in front of a screen, but they don't know what else to do. They don't know how else to educate or they don't know how else to, um, to have their child do something. Um, and I, I want to empower them to replace that screen with themselves. I want, mm-hmm. I, I know that there are different, there are different reasons for, for putting, um, you know, for letting them watch that, that, you know, 
30 minute show or whatever. And, um, I knew, I knew like for us growing up, my mom only allowed 30 minutes a day of like Sesame street or, or whatever. And I mean, we were blessed to live out in the country and with six kids, like, you know, that's kind of important. It was like, go play outside. The only rule was don't set anything on fire, <laughs> which we broke several times from being honest. Okay. House is still standing. Other things are not, but, um, but yeah, I, I, I want to help those parents who are like, I don't, I don't want my, I want my child to have less screen time, but what do I replace it with? You replace yeah. it with you. And then you foster that relationship and that relationship grows so that, I mean, my mom and I speak completely different languages. I mean, her back is my front. I mean, just completely opposite. I absolutely adore my mom. I adore my mom. I had a really, you know, I had I had a really rough uh, day a couple weeks ago. And the only thing I could think of was I have to go home to my mom. Like, I have to go home to my mom because she's going to tell me, okay, it's all right for you to cry for the next 10 minutes. I'll let you do that. And then it's time to get back up and do, you know, what you, whatever it is that's in front of you. You know, so you need, I needed, I knew that I needed that, that pep talk. You know, I needed my mom to say, all right, well, it's time to pick yourself up by your bootstraps, you know. But it's because I knew like she'd spent so much time with all of us. I mean, she, they tried to do a lot, you know, um, one-on-one as the, like the boys got older, you know, and they could stay home by themselves. Mom would take one of us girls and let our brothers watch us, which was surprised that we all have our limbs, to be honest. Um, <laughs> but, you know, she fostered, she, she fostered that relationship through reading, through conversation, through, through, I mean, she taught me my letters. She taught me the alphabet. I didn't learn that at school. You know, um, she was just so good at be very intentional using these this this framework to to foster that relationship. And and I'm seeing with my sister and her children and my brothers and their children, you know, they they spend so much intentional time with their children, again, using this framework without really knowing that it's like the five literacy tips like they don't they don't know that but they know it and it's just been so amazing to watch to watch the families grow you know especially my my brother and and the the boys that were adopted um each of them have kind of gone through the well you're not really my dad kind of a thing um and and yet he he keeps fostering that relationship to the point where, you know, my oldest nephew is just like, I mean, I love my dad. I love my dad. Mm -hmm. You know, he's, he's going to be 20 this week and still lives at home. He's like, I don't like, if I move out, then I won't be with the family. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like he's 20 years old. He's 20 years old, has a full-time job, can is very very capable of finding his own place and living out on his own, living living the life as it were. And he's like, "Well, but that would mean that I would have to leave my my mom and my dad." He shares a room with all of his brothers. 
They have so little space. I mean, it amazes me every time that I talk to him. Like, you're not going to move out? And he's like, well, if I did, then I would, I would have, the family would have to move with me. You know, it's just like, it, it's just, it's just a really, really beautiful thing. And it's because of those relationships. It's because they, they use that framework to build those relationships. And it's, it's just, it's just so beautiful. It's just a very, very beautiful thing. Yeah, that's really, really good. And it, I'm also hearing that the sooner you can start, the better. And so again, I just, I think about a lot of the struggles that I have had in integrating the family and what does it mean to be a stepmom mm-hmm. and understanding the impact on the kids and just kind of feeling like I was always getting it wrong. And I didn't really have a place to go to get guidance. So when you go to pastoral counseling, for example, it's very much a one size fits all. You're getting married. These are the things to be concerned about. And there's not a whole lot of focus on families blending together. And so that's part of what my mission is too, is to help pastors understand the importance of ministering to about 40% of your Mm -hmm. church because about 40% of the people in your church are from blended families in some Mm -hmm. way, shape or form. And so when they're sitting there feeling alone or isolated or dismissed, um, it doesn't feel very good. And when they're feeling like there's shame associated with their family because Mm -hmm. people are wondering why their kids don't show up for events all the time. Well, if you've got joint custody, they can't show up to those events all the time. So there's a lot of internal disruption and then external disruption too that bump up against this so what do we look like as a family? What, where do we go? What do we do? And so it just, it does take time. And there is that sweetness that you can get when you're willing to invest the time. And I think that's probably uh, the the biggest message that I'm here, just um, that I'm hearing is going back to what you said at the beginning, having a God honoring blended family. Mm-hmm. And for listeners, there are many listeners that are not blended families. They know blended families, but they're not in one and they're listening anyway. And so that's my prayer for them too, that they have God honoring families, regardless of whether there's a step or a foster or an adopt in front of it, behind it, around it, in it, whatever it is. (laughs) That uh, uh, God put us together for a reason, right? And uh, God gave you this passion for books and kids and libraries and songs. So I know I want to give you an opportunity to tell the audience where they can go on Instagram to get more information about what you're working on. But before you do, <laughs> I would love it. And, and I mentioned this briefly when we did the pre-conversation. Uh, I said, I might ask you to do this and I'm going to ask you to do this. Oh, You mentioned this song that you, you can still sing to this day at the beginning of the podcast, a song that your mom sent saying to you all the time about doing stuff that you didn't really want to do. (laughs) Oh, do everything without complaining. Do everything without complaining. So I, you know, verse, the chorus, can you do that for us? I better be great. (laughs) Absolutely. Yes. Do everything without complaining. Do everything without arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God. Oh, that's so good. Yes. And that's a song by Steve Green. Okay. Um, I think it's that album is Hide Him in Your Heart. 
I believe is, is where that one came from. But anytime <laughs> we would start fussing, she, you know, the other siblings were like, dude, she's going to start singing the song. Like, shh, stop, stop complaining. She's going to sing at us. The power of a song, right? So yeah. this is, this is good Intel parents. This is really good Intel. Yes. yes. <laughs> sing a song over and over again that they don't want to hear. And it's going to turn out to be fun for you. Yes. <laughs> Yes, absolutely. So good. good. Okay. So we've got, we've got this uh, hot dog mobile that we're going to be working on, Mm -hmm. but it all starts at the very beginning with this membership idea and where you're sharing and inviting people to come in. So please let the audience know where they can find out more information about this before we call it a a wrap. Sure. Yeah. So, um, I'm, I've mainly been, um, doing it on my Instagram. Um, so you can find my handle is, um, miss underscore and underscore Eliza E L I Z a. Um, that's my stage name because along with, um, working at the library and then along with trying to launch this membership, I also am a voiceover artist. So, um, I've been doing, um, I've been narrating um, children's audiobooks. Um, so again, if you if you follow me, I'll I'll be able to to promote some of some of my other work along with that too. Um, but that is yeah, that's my stage name. So I try to try to keep it. Can like you said, Jen. I mean, I've been called so many things in my life. You know, I've been I'm the kids at the library call me Miss Annie. So my Facebook is Annie. And then, you know, I'm trying to be more professional with my voiceover. So I was like, well, I should probably do like my professional name. And it just it does get confusing. So I'm trying to like get it all all into like one name. Like what is my name? What do I really want it to be? Because it can be anything I want it to be. So um <laughs> But yeah, but that's my, my, my first and middle name. Um, so if you want to go to my Instagram, miss underscore Ann underscore Eliza, you will find um, a lot of my uh, book recommendations, um, just some story time tips. Um, so things that, that I think would be beneficial Um to your families. And I'm, I'm just been having a really great time with it. Um, it's just, it's just, yeah, it's just really, really fun. I love it. That's great. So there's one other thing that we may want to say on the air and I will put it in the show notes too, but Anne with an E. So it's M I S S underscore A N N E underscore E L I Z A. That's it. Okay. All right. And we'll put in the show notes too. So if you're chasing after a kid right now while you're listening, it's okay. You can come back and look. <laughs> For sure. and- <laughs> well, I cannot wait to see how this is going to come out. But I know just in the short time that you and I have gotten together, we just have this sense that this is going to be really, really powerful and good. And just a way to create your own really Christian library story time, which mm-hmm. uh you hit the nail on the head that these five literacy tips are a part of it. But the bigger part is that we want God in the everyday. Yeah. And that includes in our stories. And so mm-hmm. you calling through the books to ensure that they align with biblical principles will mm-hmm. be such a time saver and such a help to parents uh, selecting these. So I know it's, it's, 
it's going to be a hit. I'll, I'm going to have you on in a few months when your membership is like at a thousand because it's going to be huge. I know it. I know oh, well, it. I hope so. And and I, I just really, um, since I've had this idea, I every morning I pray that God would allow me to help other people, you know, that God would allow this to flourish so that families can raise up a whole new generation of people who love him and fear him. I mean, under all of that, that's everything that I try to do in my life. It is to advance the kingdom of God. And that's not, that's not a popular idea in, in, in our culture right now. Um, but God is, God is working. Like I get excited when I think about it, like God is working. Right. And he says, he's always working. And I just, I want him to use me in that, like really like a big picture, powerful thing. And if it's just with this, if I, like, if I have a family who listens to this today, um, and I have in some way, shape or form have encouraged them or have um, given them a hope that it's not as hard as they thought it was. Oh, my word. Oh, I get teary. I just thinking about I'm a very emotional person, but um, oh, but I just oh, my goodness. I that is just something that I am so delighted about yeah. thinking and thinking about that, like the idea that I could have helped one overwhelmed mama or one yeah. frustrated dad. Um, that's been my prayer and, and I'm going to keep praying that. So, um, thank you, Jen, for letting me come on here and chat with you about all of it. Yeah. I mean, I just want to do a weekly coffee clutch with you now. (laughs) No recording required. This is fun. (laughs) Oh, good. And, uh, so as an emotional person, thanks for holding it together on the podcast. I really appreciate that. (laughs) Yeah, you're welcome. All right, Anne, what a treat. Uh, We will catch you on the flip side, on the front cover, back cover, or in between the covers of a great story. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Amen. Amen. Well, there you have it, folks. Another podcast in the books. Boy, oh boy, this season is proving to be most excellent fun. And What I realize is it is a part of my story that doing these podcast episodes is a way for me to build into what God is teaching me. And I know, just as we talked about on the podcast, there is power in repetition. So I want to revisit those five literacy tips very quickly. Singing, reading, writing, playing, and talking. And if you're at all interested in this membership that Anne is about to kick off, I want you just to take a listen, go look her up on the socials, they'll be in the show notes. And I encourage you to listen to what she's offering. Because what she's going to do is reduce decision fatigue in finding the right book for your kiddos. She is a woman of God. And so you know that that is at the heart of her membership, that she is indeed serving the Lord. And that is the thing that came out 
through this podcast that I thoroughly enjoyed. It's so good when the people of God come together and do work that is God honoring. And as Anne and I mentioned, we do indeed pray that your blended family is God honoring. If you're struggling, or if you're looking for a way to take it to the next level, just check out stepfamilypodcast.com and click on the link for a free couples coaching session. Let's connect and write the next chapter in your story.